From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. This is a Monday edition, and the reason why is because my good friend John Lee Dumas has something that is coming up that is pretty cool, and it supports charity and building schools and in uh, developing third world countries with uh, an organization called Pencils of Promise, which is is an awesome, awesome organization. And um, anyway, it's just I, I figured I would I would bring John on and interview him. He's a, a become a huge influencer in recent years. Uh, has one of the the big podcasts in the world um, and reaches lots and lots of people and he's he's doing cool work and the focus of part of his project is productivity so I thought hey let's talk about productivity and I'll share with you what I learned from John and also at the end of the show I have put together a special list of five indicators of things you should say no to we're going to teach you how to say no and how to know what to say no to to create more time in your life think you're going to love it. We'll get started just after this. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern Coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. John Lee Dumas is back on the show. I'm sure you know him or you should know him. Host of Entrepreneur on Fire, EO Fire, 1,400 interviews, millions of downloads uh, now every month. And uh, he does you know, seven days a week, he's got his podcast and he's had the biggest names in the business all, all on his show, Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk. And, and he has... Um, He's done a couple launches and he does these fundraising launches, which is what part of why why he's on the show today. He has a, a new thing that's coming out called the Mastery Journal. And it is this beautiful, like hardcover journal that helps you kind of stay on track uh, and, and to use the words master productivity, discipline and focus in a hundred days. And um He's supporting Pencils of Promise with the whole launch and just cool. So, so John, welcome to the show. I'm fired up to be here, my friend. You know, whether it's you on EO Fire, which was episode 561 and 1106, or Bam. me chatting with you, brother, I'm just happy to be alive. Yeah. So I was going to, so I wanted to ask you about that. So I, I obviously discipline productivity is square in our space of, of what I'm writing about and what we're talking about here on Action Catalyst. But are you, um, like, what are some of your favorite episodes that you've recorded? on productivity, discipline, and focus? Or like when, when you think of all the guests, you know, you've had hundreds of them, are you, are there any sort of the big salient highlights that you go, wow, this one thing I learned from so-and-so, that really stuck with me? Or uh, just uh, who are you learning from in that way? 
Uh, the two that I can really say popped to mind was Brian Tracy and Darren Hardy. Like both of them just took the interview on EO Fire and just turned it into this lesson, this course on those things, on productivity, on discipline, on focus. And I was just like, man, these are the pros. Um, every day I wake up in the morning and I start my morning routine. You know, I say to myself, John, eat that frog, which of course is a Brian Tracy ism. Right. And, you know, every time I'm like, should I really be doing this right now? Meaning, like, you know, it, it seems small and insignificant. I think of Darren Hardy and the compound effect and how small things add up to huge results. Then, you know, I just say those two people really rise up to the top when I think about those three words and I've just continued to learn from them. Yeah, I love it. And we've we've had them on our uh in fact we just had Brian on here oh, not cool. just a couple months ago and and uh those are those are good ones. I good ones, good ones. Breaking, by the way, when I'm his age, I mean yeah. the energy that he still has and the value he's like that's that's a goal of mine. He, he brings the heat. <laughs> uh he's still like cranking on full day trainings and stuff and I, I love it. Unbelievable. I can't even so, do it at 37. <laughs> so so what, like, this is, what is your, what is your definition of productivity? So like, I, I want to get into talking about the journal here in a second, but like w- w- productivity, I think means a lot of things to a lot of people. And uh, for somebody who is, you know, managing this huge podcast, now running a multi-million dollar business every single year, and it's growing by the month, like, w- w- how do you define productivity? Well, I think it is important that we talk about the definition because you're right. Everybody does define it differently and that's fine and that's actually great. But for me, I love going to the root of these words. And for me, the root of productivity is produce. What are you producing on a day-to-day basis? I mean, you can be the most efficient person in the world, but if you're efficient doing the wrong things, producing the wrong things, does it really matter? So productivity is producing the right things on on that day-to-day basis so that you can reflect upon your day when that sun starts going down and you can say, you know what? I produced the right content for my audience. It doesn't mean I did a ton of work or I did all this like mountains of episodes and copy and et cetera. It's I did the right work. I produced the right content for my audience today. Yeah. Or just the right result for like whatever, whatever business you're in. So, so how do you, do you have any tips for us in terms of like, how do you know what the wrong things are? I know it kind of varies from person to person, but I think, um, to today, it seems like a not to do list is much more powerful than having a to do list because you, there's so much you can be doing and the, and the real art is figuring out what you can take away, what you can stop, what you can eliminate. Do you have any ideas that on that? Well, I think it's pretty interesting. And this is something we can maybe have a, a quick, small discussion about because I think it's important. A lot of people, I think, look to people like myself, you know, who's had a lot of success and they just want us to, to give them answers. And, you know, like I've read your books, like I've studied you and, and other greats that I mentioned, like Darren Hardy, Brian Tracy. We're not just here giving you answers. What we're doing is we're giving you systems. We're giving you frameworks so that you can self-evaluate yourself. And those two words, self-evaluate, are so key within the Mastery Journal that that's what I have you do. Because what's productive to you is not not going to be productive to me. And what's productive to me might not be productive to Rory. We have to self-evaluate. So every single day within the Mastery Journal, you are going to be producing specific work. But the most important thing is, actually, at the end of that day, you're going to be self-evaluating.
evaluating yourself on that production level. So you might not be that productive by my definition I just gave you on days one through seven because you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to understand, get your finger on the pulse, but hopefully you're learning so that by day eight, 15, 20, you now start knowing through your self-evaluation what being productive means to you in your business and your life on that whole scheme of things. So self-evaluation is key. It's something that I really drill into within the Mastery Journal. Well, I love that. And I, I love that, that you kind of, you're, you're so good. I think it's a real, real art to create these journals and they're, you know, they're so great. Like you can track your results. And, and uh, in this one, I want to talk about some of the elements that are in it, but, but why a hundred days? Because I thought that was an interesting kind of, that's the journals laid out to be a hundred days where you basically create this game plan. And I want to talk about some of the elements, but, but the, you know, you hear 21 days form a habit, you hear 30 days, you hear sort of 90 days. Um, and I think there's some powerful psychology behind the 100-day deal. There is. And, you know, I'll go back to those two words, self-evaluation. I mean, in 2015, when I was coming up with the idea for the Freedom Journal, which is accomplish your number one goal in X number of days, you know, it's now 100 days, but I was trying to fill in that X, I did some self-evaluation. I said, how long has it taken me to accomplish a big, meaningful goal in my life in the past? And I looked at EO Fire, and it took me three and a half months. And I looked at Podcasters Paradise, and it took me just about three months. You know, I looked at all these different things that I've done that have been meaningful, and that time frame just kept coming up. And so I said, you know, there has to be a time frame because otherwise, as Parkinson's Law states, tasks will expand to the time allotted. We, we definitely, we know that. So I had to have that time bound and I just knew that, hey, 100 days is going to be great for a number of reasons. Number one, it's going to give that endpoint. So we know that we're going to have a start, a start line and a finish line when it comes to that number one goal so that we can focus on those things. Number two, as I'm driving forward within this, I can have nice neat checkpoints along the way. At day 10, you know, we do a 10-day sprint every 10 days. So every 10th day, you're accomplishing a micro goal. Every 25 days, you're looking back on your quarterly review to what you did over those 25 days to see your wins, amplify those, your losses, figure out solutions to them. So that by day 100, you've done 10 10-day sprints for 25-day quarterly reviews. It just worked. When The more I thought about that and the more I realized I've been able to accomplish big things in 100 days, and I can set up a framework where others can too. That's where the number 100 came from. And listen, it worked. You know, it became the sixth most funded publishing campaign of all time on Kickstarter. You're an author. You'll be the first to admit you don't make a ton of money a lot of times when you go traditional book publishing routes like you can, but you know, that's when you're doing the Tim Ferriss thing and you're just crushing it. But I was able to, to take the Freedom Journal and do $453,000 in revenue in 33 days. And that That's was on nuts. a $39 journal. And to date, we've done 17,000 sales of the Freedom Journal, again, which is a $39 hardcover journal. Just in December alone, this is a year post-launch, we did $50,000 in the month of December just on the Freedom Journal. So again, I, I realized that that system works. So I said, why not just take that, apply the 100-day methodology to the Mastery Journal, 
and come up with a framework that I can guide people in mastering the three skills that I've mastered over the last four and a half years, productivity, discipline, and focus, and we'll have them do it in a hundred days. Well, I like I like that sprint idea. That reminds me. That's kind of how like programmers work. They they work in sprints, and I I thought it was cool because you have each day broken down, but then every tenth day there's like this summary. Like uh, I know the whole the whole thing is kind of self assessment, but you fill out uh, a chart on productivity and discipline yeah. and how how much how good are you doing and. Um, I, I think I think it's I think it's it's really powerful. One, so one of the elements that you have on each day, so you 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 basically map out. There's parts around your morning routine. There's things that you're thankful for. Uh, you talk about like what's your main accomplishment, and there's all these things. But you have a um, a focus time and a refresh time, and I thought that was kind of interesting. So what is, what's the concept with focus time and refresh time, and, and how does that, like how do you execute that or apply that inside of a day? So during 2016, I spent the entire year doing the research on productivity, learning the ins, the ins and outs of that, of discipline and of focus, really just becoming a student of these three skills. And the thing that just kept coming up over and over again was the Pomodoro technique. And I said, you know, I feel like I've done that sometimes in the past with success, but I'm going to commit to it for three weeks. And so I committed to the Pomodoro technique, which is essentially in a nutshell, um, basically setting a timer for you can fill in the blank for the timer. They, they kind of recommend with a Pomodoro technique, traditionally 25 minutes on, 10 minutes off, where you're definitely having this timer count down while you're doing one specific task, completely focused. It didn't work for me. And I was like, you know, I, I need to play with this a little bit because 25 minutes just seems too short of a period of time. I just am getting into my flow, getting some great work done. The thing goes off and I got to stop. So I started playing around with it and it ended up for me, I found my sweet spot, which was 42 minutes of focus time, 18 minutes of refresh time. So now I have this session of one hour with 42 minutes of pure focus, but my brain knows that I'm going to get this beautiful 18 minute relief break break, refreshing time where I can go, you know, check the sports score or jump on Facebook real quick or go take a walk outside in the sun, you know, do, do one of those things. And I did that for three weeks and I was shocked at what happened. I was just like, I'm getting more stuff done during these 42 minutes than I would get done in 400 minutes throughout the week because I'm just clicking to this different gear. So I knew that I had to implement the Pomodoro technique heavily within the mastery journal. So every single day within the mastery journal, I've set up four four sessions where, and I have not filled in the focus time or the refresh time because that is for you to figure out what works for you. Again, for me, 42 minutes of focus, 18 minutes of refresh. You know, we check back in um, in a year, it might be an hour of focus and 10 minutes of, of refresh or 30 minutes. I don't know where I'm going to be at that point, but you got to stay attuned and continue to self-evaluate yourself. And then during that focus time that you figured out, nothing else matters, but your one focus. And then during your refresh time, you give yourself the gift of refreshing. And then guess what? Self-evaluation. At the end of that session, you give yourself a productivity score. You give yourself a discipline score at the end of your four sessions, which maybe you do two in the morning, two in the afternoon, however you want to break them up. You have, now all of these scores from those four sessions, which you average out and you figure yeah, out your I, daily I thought this, score. 
the daily score thing is cool. So you you kind of like you you self assess and then you add it all up and then you you average it across the four sessions. Is that how? Yes, it works? and then exactly. So you add up your your four productivity scores, your four discipline scores. Obviously, then you divide it by four and you get your daily score, which you then flip to. And again, we train you at the beginning part of the mastery journal um, how to do this. You flip to that ten day recap and you fill in that day. It's a little bar chart. You fill it in. So as you're going towards that tenth day, you're seeing your ups and your downs. You're seeing how you're flowing and you're starting to get understand the rhythm that you're getting into as an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Like you just fill this thing out as you go every, every, not only every day, but every like couple hours, we call them goal periods, but you, you'd fill, you fill it in as you go. And then you record the scores for today in the 10 day recap. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's just kind of fun. It's a fun, it's accountability, but it's very, it's, it's fun to do. Um, so discipline is, is a big part of this. So you, we've been talking a little bit about productivity, but you also have a discipline score. And, uh, I don't think I've ever asked you this directly about, you know, so what's, you talk about productivity, the definition is producing the right things or producing things that matter. What about discipline? How do you, how do you classify that? So discipline is something that was hammered into me at a young age. I was a military officer for eight years, four active, four in the reserves. You know, I did a 13 month tour of duty in Iraq. So I realized at a very young age that I had to be disciplined. And that's one of the big touchstones as a, in the military. So that was something that I learned that I was then able to, with some work, transition into entrepreneurship when I started EO Fire back in 2012. But the reality is I like to go to the roots of the word, just like I did with uh, productivity and to produce discipline into disciple. You as the individual, you have to be a disciple of your day. And what that means for me is I sit down and I craft a plan. I have a plan that I am then going to execute upon. So you set a plan and then you execute that plan. And for me, I realized the days that I wasn't doing that, that I didn't have a plan, that I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to let the day kind of come to me. What was I doing? I was OPA all day long, other people's agenda. I would just be like, you know, I don't know what to do right now because I don't really have a plan. I jump in my inbox and I spend the whole day just putting out other people's fires. I jump on Facebook. I spend the whole day responding to people's comments and questions, which is, by the way, things you have to do at some point during your day, but... I wanted to be intentional about it, not just haphazard about it. I wanted to spend the best parts of my day disciplined to producing the right content that matters. So having that plan of action. So for me, disciplined, setting up a plan, executing step by step. So uh, between the military um, and then you've been on this sort of personal self journey, and I know that you're coaching tons of people in terms of uh, the work, you know, Podcasters Paradise and stuff like that. And you're you're obviously out there and interfacing with people a lot. And and now you have two journals. Like, why do you think people struggle so much with this? Like, why why is it so hard to? create a plan and stick to it and do it for a hundred days and not just get to day six and then like totally forget about it. Like, is there, is there some reason why you think that happens? And and I guess even more importantly, is there something that you think that people who do push paths past and they do have the productivity and discipline and focus that, that there's, there's some reason they break through that barrier? 
people struggle because we're human. I mean, we're human and to err is human. That's just a phrase that will always be with us. And so that's why I want to take out as much as possible the fact that, hey, we are going to err. We're going to drift. You know, we're going to not be accountable to ourselves any given day. That's just part of it. And what I wanted to do was to give people an anchor that would draw them back in. You know, we're all going to drift and slide. I do that. And I'm the creator of the Mastery Journal. But the Mastery Journal is your anchor to draw draw you back in and say, listen, you might have had crappy things happen yesterday, but now you know that you can wake up this morning and follow the steps, step by step by step. I'm guiding you, just holding your hand through this process of what is going to make a productive, disciplined, and focused day. It's always there for you. It's your anchor. When you don't have the days that you want, just you know, don't be too hard on yourself. Realize that you're going to have those days because you're human, but just know you have that anchor to go back to. It's the mastery journal is there for you. Mm. So uh, I do have one other question for you. Before we do that, though, the the Mastery Journal is kind of an interesting project because it supports Pencils of Promise. And so could you tell us a little bit about where should we go to learn about it? How does it support Pencils of Promise? What exactly does Pencils of Promise do? And, you know, this isn't your first go around. So what, what did you guys do last time? Yeah, so last time with the Freedom Journal, I said, I really hope this is going to be successful and I believe it's going to be successful, but I don't want it to just be a success. I want it to be significant. I want it to go from just being successful to being significant. And somebody that actually lives in your neighborhood, Aaron Walker, he's a person oh, yeah. that really brought that phrase to my mind when I had him on the show a long time ago and I've had him on many times since. But when he said that those words like to go from success to significance, it just resonated with me and it stuck with me from that interview. And, you know, since then we've become great friends and, you know, a a big reason is because of those words that I just said, like, I need to know more about this guy. And, and when I was bringing, um, the freedom journal to fruition, those words kind of kept echoing in me. And I said, how can I do that? And I I realized that stuff that really mattered to me was education. I knew that education was a huge part of my life. I'm not talking traditional education. Like I went to college, I went to law school, like that wasn't what made me a success. What made me a success was self-education, but the ability to be educated. And there's so many people out there that don't even have access to the best educator in the world. Just that Google search bar, you know, or just, just somebody that actually cares is going to take them those first few steps. And Pencils of Promise is just doing amazing things around the world. I had Adam Braun on the show now multiple times, and he's now become a close friend. And I just loved what his mission was, was which was to bring education to developing countries to give the gift of education to those less fortunate. So with the the Freedom Journal launch, we partnered with Pencils of Promise and every time we hit a funding goal, we wrote a big fat check to Pencils of Promise on behalf of the supporters of the Freedom Journal to build a school in a developing country and we ended up do, uh, writing three $25,000 checks to Pencils of oh. Promise during that campaign to build... And th- that, each of those represents a school, right? That's what... From, they, they, they need 25K to kick a school off? Yeah, from Grounds to completion, they figured it out 25K. And so it's mm. just amazing um, what you know you can do with dollars in developing countries when they're spent in the right manner. So it was just really exciting to see um, the ability that we were able to kind of give you know, now over 17,000 people, the gift of accomplishing their number one goal, but also give the gift of education to those less fortunate. And we're doing the exact same thing with the mastery journal. We've partnered with pencils of promise and we just want to keep giving and going from success to significance. Mm. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. Well, we'll put a we'll put a link to that. Uh, it's all happening right now. The masteryjournal.com is is where you're going to want to go. And uh, hey, it helps you stay accountable, and it also is for a good cause here with building some of the schools. And um, okay, so my last question, last very last question for you, John, is just I'm curious for John Lee Dumas what. It, what is that that thing? Maybe it's a vice or an area or this thing that you just you can never lose sight of because you know you'll go off track if you're not like extremely intentional about it. Nutrition, absolutely, without a uh, doubt. Nutrition's my Achilles heel. I mean, I'm 37 years old. I'm in really, really good shape. I'm very healthy, but I have to work really hard at it. You know, I have a personal trainer that I meet three days a week virtually online. Um, I'm extremely focused on the foods that I put into my body because if I if I sleep Slip up, and I'm not disciplined with nutrition. Everything is going to fall off the tracks, and I mean that. Like I'll become overweight, I'll become unhappy, I'll become lethargic, I'll get unenthusiastic. Like it all starts for me with nutrition because if I'm eating right, I'm feeling right, I'm exercising right, everything then starts that domino effect. So that's huge for me. Um, that's something that I keep a really sharp eye on. I love it. Well, my brother, uh, thank you for the work that you do. You're inspiring so many people and helping so many people. And this this little journal is a beautifully designed. Uh, everything you do is first class. And uh, I just I want to wish you all the best. And and we're happy to support you guys and and just keep keep crushing it and keep lighting people on fire. Thank you, and come visit me in Puerto Rico. Oh, I'm in for sure. <laughs> 100 days. I love that. I love that concept of 100 days. It, it actually reminded me of a book that I read um, maybe towards the end of last year. It was called The 12-Week Year. And uh, it was a pretty cool idea, right, of just treating uh, like a, you know, a 90-day window or in this case, 100 days as, as a year. Um, and, and part of the psychology and the science behind it was just that it's hard for us to focus on something for a year. It's such a long time span. But if you can break it down and just go, okay, boom the next three months or 90 days or a hundred days, like this is, this is what I'm going to go after. And it's enough time to get something huge and meaningful done and checked off and completed. But it's a short enough time that you don't, uh, you know, get distracted or, or lose focus. And so I think that's, that's a, that's a cool idea is, is, you know, we think about planning out our goals for 2017, but I was listening to John, I was thinking, you know, maybe what I should do is, more like plan out four goals, but and it's like one goal a quarter. And then that is like whatever the main focus is, which I guess in a lot of ways is kind of um, how how we operate. But, you know, just the, the power of, of crystallizing what we would call at Southwestern Consulting, crystallizing your goals, uh, reverse engineering them and breaking them down into manageable goal periods. Uh, you heard him, what he was mentioning as four sessions. Like when we're coaching clients, we teach them to break their day up uh, also typically into four uh, goal periods as well. And so they're just, they're really intense for, you know, the majority of that goal period. And then maybe they take a break or a transition or check email or something, and then they get back in and they hit it hard for another, another goal period. And that, that there's so much science and power uh, to the way that that works. And just in general, you know, so you have, I think these concepts that John's talking about are so aligned with, with what we do and teach and help and promote because You've got breaking the large goals down into small, manageable tasks, um, which is a key for how you overcome procrastination in general. Is just you when you're whenever you're overwhelmed with something, 
you uh, you have to reduce it down to the smallest most actionable simple thing right so if you're if you're overwhelmed by doing your taxes and you go oh my gosh I'm do my taxes it's because there's like you know 100 steps that have to take place so so the way you you break through that is you 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 don't say okay I'm going to sit down and do my taxes you just simply ask the question okay what's the very first thing I have to do it's like okay uh, I need to go download you know form 1040 so it's like okay let me just see if I can go download 1040. And that's the only thing I'm going to worry about doing today. And so you're like, okay, Google form 1040 and you go out there and then you, and then you download it and it's like, oh, okay. So now I have the form and then you read the form and you're like, oh, okay, well, this isn't so bad. Like I already, you know, half of this thing I can fill out off the top of my head. Um, and then anyways, you're breaking it down into this, like these manageable tasks. And if, if you have some big daunting project, I want you to just try that, right? Just just break it down. And with salespeople, which you know is a large majority of who we're coaching every single day, that's it's all day every day because you're when you're making sales calls and and setting appointments, it's like you know the idea of of doing it forever is is daunting. And so you break it down into into these small tasks. The other thing that John brought up that I thought was powerful too was that he talked about accountability. Right, he said that the whole the whole purpose behind this sort of project that he's working on, um, and the way that it's structured is, is that it provides this daily accountability. And then also at the very end, I don't know if you picked this up, but you heard him say he has a trainer, and that is so characteristic of ultra performers. We talk about it all the time. Like it's the top people in the world who have coaches, who have trainers. Um, I also happen to personally know, and I don't think John would mind me sharing this because he shared it before in public. Uh, he coached with Lewis Howes. So Lewis is another one of my friends. We've had him on the show before. And um, John paid a good bit of money to be coached by Lewis. So it's like, it's not the people who need help typically that are in coaching. It's the people who are the top producers, but it's, it's the reason why they're top producers is because they're coachable and they're, they're students and because they're willing to embrace accountability and they're willing to invest in having that accountability. And so it was, I didn't know that John worked out with a trainer three times a week, but it, it totally makes sense to me. You know, he's paying that money uh, for that added accountability. And that sounds like apparently is, is one of the areas that, that he sort of struggles with, um, in, uh, just in, in his daily life. So really good lessons, I think in there. Um, uh, oh, one other thing I wanted to highlight th- that, uh, I wrote down in my own notes was, uh, about this, this concept of, of 12 weeks, you know, kind of like a 12 week year, uh, or a hundred days is that if you're in a fast growing company, this is from some other book. I don't I don't even remember which book it was from actually, but they were making the point that if your company's growing by more than 20% a year, it might, I think it's sort of maybe from Vern Harnish, is that in a company that's growing at that rate, it's like your what for most company, it's like every quarter is a year because you're growing so fast. Things are changing so fast. It's like every quarter is a year, which means that every single month is like a quarter. Every single, um, you know, week is like a month and every single day is like a week. And that's how fast things change. And, and, uh, you think like a, in a, in a fast moving business, you have to adjust like accordingly to make sure that you're all court, like 
that you're communicating because things change so frequently. There has to be lots of communication. And as it matures, then you can sort of sort that out. But, you know, anyways, I just had that thought, wanted to make sure that I shared that with you. Um, how to say no. That, that's part of what I wanted to translate. You know, I asked John that question about, you know, how do you know what to say no to? And I, I mean, I thought his answer was, was good about like, you know, there's not a magic formula of all of us have to figure it out and we create systems. But, um, I was, I was hoping for something a little bit more specific for myself. And so I put some time into that after, after just going back and listening to, to what he said, which I think is true. It's like, we have to figure it all out for ourselves. But I wanted to put some thought for just my own value around the idea of like, okay, what are things, how do we classify things that we should say no to? Right, because I think it just helps to sort of have a checklist. So I just created this little this little no checklist, <laughs> if you will. Um, and I think I think you're going to find these useful to you also, and maybe you need to adapt them or whatever. But um, they make a lot of sense to me as I was thinking through. So these are five indicators, if you will, that you should say no to something. Um, so the first thing is things that drain you. Things that just drain you. With every single task, with every single invitation, with every single appointment, I think with every single thing, you 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 process it through a filter, which is like, is this life giving or is this life life draining? Um, and you know, if it just sucks the life out of you and it's not completely critical to what you're doing, then maybe you should say no to it, or or maybe you should find another way to do it, or maybe you should balance it in part. Uh, with with s- uh, supplement it with other things that you are life giving that are are related um, to it because that's that's the thing right is if we're drained we can't perform we can't we can't be an ultra performer we can't be a multiplier we can't be a top producer if we're drained um, that's no good that's no good um, the second thing is if you're not good at it if you're not good at it and that's a that's a good sign that maybe you should say no to it. And uh, there's, I think there's definitely a season if you're in a smaller business or some type of a, a startup environment where there's just a, a, a season you go through where everybody has to do everything for a while. And it's like, you got to do all hands on deck, whatever you got to do to make it survive. But that shouldn't be the rest of your life, right? That shouldn't be with every single thing. Ultimately, if there's something you're not good at, find somebody else to do it. Like find somebody else to help. And this always like boggles my mind is... There's, there's people out there who love to do the things that you don't like doing. There's somebody out there who can help you do the things you don't like doing and, and, and they'll be good at it and they don't mind it and they get joy from it. And so to the extent possible that you can reinvest uh, into you know, getting supporting staff for your, your, either your private family or for your business, uh, whatever you can do to just help delegate tasks to, to, to find people who are good at it because to them it's life giving and to you it's life draining. So why not, why not, you know, do that sort of swap if, if you're not good at it. The third thing, and this is, this is, this is key. Um, you should say no to things that are out of alignment with your goals. Ultimately that is, is the leading indicator right? When you lay out your goals, it happens as a result of you going through some conversation with yourself where you say, you know what? 
here's the things that I want to accomplish. And then you make a list. And then you get into the daily workflow and routine and minutia. And it's like your goals get completely hijacked by, you know, OPA to use John's term, right? Other people's agendas. Like you're getting pulled in all these different directions. And the it's it ends up wearing you out and exhausting you and draining you because you feel like, oh my gosh, like how did I get here? I'm not like now I'm now I'm burnt out and I was all excited. I I was I had anticipation for these things I wanted to accomplish and now now I'm not now I'm off track with that. Well, it's because we set these goals and then we set them aside and we didn't use them as part of the litmus test for determining the course and the path of our life. And that is what we want to do. So if something is out of alignment with your goals, right? If 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 you're presented with an opportunity, you can simply ask the question, you go, huh does this forward me towards my goal or does it not? And if you can't see the connection, then give yourself the permission to say no to it. And what, what better justification do you need? And to, to explain to some, you say, you know what, actually I set a goal this year to do blah, 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 blah. And I'm having to be really focused about the things that I do. And, uh, since that, since right now, this isn't in alignment with those things, I'm going to have to turn it down. Boom. Powerful, Right clear, direct, and, and, and polite. People can understand that. Um, but so many times we sacrifice our goals for just busyness and urgency and noise and volume. And, and, um, you know, that's, that's, we have to rise, sort of rise above, rise above that. And by the way, if, if there's things that are in alignment with your goals, you need to find a way to get those things done right? Like whatever the things are that drive you directly towards your goal, get them done, find a way and protect those things. And part of the way you do that is by saying no to the insignificant and the trivial things, or, or maybe a better way of saying it is not that they're trivial or not important because maybe those things are important to somebody, but they're the misaligned things. They're not aligned with your goals. And so you say no to those things, not because they're not important or significant, but because they're not aligned they are misaligned. Number four, and this is one for me that um, I've just kind of started doing, is if somebody makes me feel guilty about something, I just automatically say no to it. Is if you try to put the guilt trip on me for something, answer is no. Because I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to feed guilt. I don't want to operate out of a sense of, of, of guilt. Uh, or, uh, you know, like, it's just not a powerful place to be. I don't do my best work in that space. And so if somebody asks me to do something and they ask me in a way to try to pressure me or put guilt on me, it's like, oh, easy, easy decision, easy, easy decision. Answer is no. Uh, why? And so they say, well, why? I just, I, I'm, I just don't feel good about it. Um, simple as that. So uh, I'm not going to do something out of guilt. And maybe that's something for you to consider uh, also, right? All the stuff you have to balance with what you have to do, right? You, you have to balance what you want to do with what you have to do. But uh, in general, I think this is a, some good guidelines for things that you can say no to, to, to create more margin. And then number five, and this has just been huge for me, is things that do not multiply my time. I'm, I'm starting to say no to things that don't multiply my time. You multiply time by giving yourself the emotional permission to spend time on things today that give you more time tomorrow. 
You multiply time by spending time on things today that give you more time tomorrow, right? Or more results tomorrow or more influence tomorrow. And those are the things. It's That's what we call the significance calculation is, is factoring in is what I am doing right now multiplying? Is it exponentially? Is it expanding the reach, the influence of of my business, my influence, my my brand, like whatever is your goal? Is it helping you create more time tomorrow? And it's a completely different way of thinking from most people because it causes you to choose to say yes to some things today that you can't get done. You have to make smaller progress on more significant things. And you have to let go of some of the the things, the noisier things that are are easier to cross off and complete. And you're going against the biology there of your brain because every time you cross off an item from your to-do list you get a shot of dopamine, this like bump of dopamine, this chemical. Your brain releases it. It makes you feel good. Well, you have to battle what feels good in the short term with what actually creates good in the long term. I think maybe that's just a part of life. You're always battling what feels good in the short term for what creates good in the long term. Perhaps that's, that is one of the ultimate indicators of someone who is successful, somebody who can can, you know, reject the thing that feels good in the short term so that they can create good in the long term. But if you learn to do that and you learn to protect that and you learn to spend time in those things, then what happens is your growth happens not linearly, but exponentially. It happens not on a straight line, but on a curve. And and when you do that for years and years and years and years and years, then things just get crazy exciting. And... um. So if something does multiply your time, you got to find a way to protect that. And if you have to say no to other stuff, you know, you, you have to. I mean, you have to say no to something. Anytime you say yes to one thing, you're simultaneously saying no to an infinite number of others. So you have to say no, and you're always saying no to something. So the question is not how do you go through life without ever saying no? You're always saying no. The question is how do you determine what to say yes to and what to say no to? Because I don't know about you, but I know for me personally, if I am not consciously saying no to the things that don't matter, then I end up unconsciously saying no to the things that do matter. And so there is tremendous power and discipline and results in learning to say no. You got to remember the sculptor's principle says that perfection is achieved. Not only when nothing more can be added, but when nothing more can be taken away. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst, and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.